Are you registered for Culture Proof Conference 2024? Well, you need to get registered today. We are super excited about our first ever conference that's coming to Faith Baptist in Bartlett, Tennessee. Yes, July 18th through the 20th. And we're open, wide open. So go to cultureproof.net right now and register. Yeah, that's right. And I say the first ever conference. It's the first ever Culture Proof Conference. But everything that you love about the types of conferences that the Addisons produce all remains intact. Some of our speakers this year include the incredible Dr. Kathy Cook. Abraham Hamilton III. Dr. Renton Rathbun. Dr. Lee Brand. And Israel Wayne. And not to mention our extraordinary Culture Proof Kids and Teens tracks facilitated by Maria Hamilton. The third. And Mark and Amy (laughs) Warren. You're going to want to make sure you register. When registration fills up for those tracks, the kids tracks, we close them down because we want our classrooms to be functional and we want our kids to get the most out of those classrooms. All right, question. Mm-hmm. Is functional a word? No, probably not. So fu- functional. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, that's all right. I just want to, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Oh, don't let her do it. Oh, Lord. Um, when you don't have a red line in your brain, you're just going to leave it. Okay. We want to see you in Bartlett, Tennessee at Faith Baptist Church, July 18th through the 20th. That's right. Go to cultureproof.net. Culture Proof is brought to you by BJU Press Homeschool. If you've come to homeschooling or you're thinking of homeschooling to preserve a solid biblical worldview in your children, you should consider the curriculum we trust to help with biblical worldview formation. BJU Press Homeschool is here for you and with you as you center Christ in the education of your kids. Visit our friends today at BJUPressHomeschool.com. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com, the premier sponsor of the Culture Proof podcast. Thanks for listening to Culture Proof. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And today we are discussing a conversation that we had or that I had when I was out and about with three of our six children. And I found it really interesting, this conversation, because it just sort of um, happened organically. And I was thinking about um, the Deuteronomy 6 aspect of how we live life. It's kind of as you go, you're making much of who Jesus is. As you go, you're reminding kids mm-hmm. about the faith that you have and why you have this faith. And uh, and it was really interesting. We were on our way to music lessons. And, mm-hmm. um, and as I was chauffeuring them to music lessons, I don't even remember where the conversation sprang from. Like, I don't, I don't remember how we got there. Yeah. But one of the kids said in the course of the conversation, you know, I don't have a problem with people when they put things in. Oh, I know we were talking about the deception in a lot of children's movies and, and things that are targeted at children. Yeah. And one of our kids said, you know, yeah, it's especially when you talk about um, the pushing of uh, the sexual agenda, talking about LGBTQ plus and how that's really sinister, she said, you know, directing that at children. And then she said, but then I think there are other deceptions that are a little more innocent. And Mm. and so then I kind of was like, okay, 
innocent deception. Like, mm. so I said, unpack that for me. Like, what do you, what do you mean when you say that? And she goes, well, I'm just thinking of like, um, think about the theory of evolution. You know, this is put in movies and this is in TV shows, but it's one of those things that, you know, she goes, people really believe that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're not really trying to deceive people to hell. Like they really believe that. And so I said, so that makes it innocent. Like, let's talk about this. Let's let's just have this conversation. And she goes, well, I don't mean that it's innocent and that the the consequences of it, you know, are innocent. The consequences are the same, she goes. But I think that they really sincerely believe evolution. They sincerely believe in, in the Big Bang. They sincerely mm. believe that. And so she goes, I don't think that they are trying to deceive. Well, at that moment, another child riding in the car um, kind of like, you know, joined in and said, yeah, I agree with that. I think that there are some deceptions that people know that these are evil and they are actively trying to deceive kids. But then I think that there are others that are innocent. They're not they're not acting wickedly. They're not trying to, you know, see kids go to hell. Mm. And so. <laughs> And so I thought, and so what's the difference? Right. Like, what's the difference? And so we got into this like 30 to 40 minute conversation about the intent of man's heart mm. when he deceives or when he departs from God's word. And I want to bring this conversation out because one of the things that I thought about as I reflected on it is the small foxes that will destroy the vines. Mm -hmm. You you quote this or you refer to this scripture all the time mm -hmm. in talking about little things that we overlook in our life. And I felt like this conversation conversation with our kids just this week um, kind of revealed that to me, that there are areas where these kind of small foxes yeah. are running around and, and maybe they go undetected or maybe yeah. we think it doesn't matter all that much. Yeah. The scripture that you're talking about, Song of Solomon, chapter two, verse 15 says, catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that are ruining the vineyards while our vineyards are in blossom. So while the vineyards are in blossom, blossom, you have these little foxes <laughs> destroying them. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I tend to think the things that may that our kids may have called innocent are very, very intentional, and yes. they're often the entryway to the bigger things. Yes. So you you get uh, a softening on like you know um, evolution or mm -hmm. those type of things, and you get that in, and it seems like oh they, this is just a different way that they're thinking about yes. this. this. They're not trying to, but that opens up a whole another conversation about even the existence of God and and, yes. and and the the truth in His Word. Yes. So it causes doubt. So those those, those are small foxes. That, ha that are intentional. They're mm -hmm. not innocent at all. That's right. They're That's intentional. Right. And their aim is to have greater damage. That's right. And so one of the things, to your point, that I was able to point out to them is that the reason you think that the sexual confusion that is being pushed in movies and in um, TV shows or streaming shows or whatever, the reason you think that is sinister and wicked is because it is a recent pervasive deception. Mm -hmm. So you see that as something that's new and in your mind, you say they can't even believe that a boy can be a girl. They can't even believe that. So that's intentionally deceptive. And so what I pointed them back to was, and I took an opportunity to kind of incorporate some um, history with also pointing to the authority of the word of God. So I said, so the reason you think that, you know, the origin of man is an innocent deception or that, you know, people don't really intend to confuse other people is because that has been taught in our schools 
for decades Mm -hmm. that has been taught in our schools for decades. But can you imagine what it was like to know that there was a time before the origin of species Mm -hmm. or before the theory of evolution Mm -hmm. was taught in schools, that there was a time that the created account, the, the, the account of creation was Mm -hmm. taught to kids, taught to students. And this was accepted as truth. Right. So, so I said, so then you can see how effective it is that over time and with consistency, continuing to tell people things that contradict God's word, it seems that that's plausible. Mm. Now that's something Mm. that we, that's not, they're not being wicked. They really believe that. Mm -hmm. But the question is, why do they really believe it? Mm -hmm. How have they arrived at that conclusion that they believe it? Mm -hmm. And the, the means really has been time intentionality where you've got people repeatedly beating the same drum, singing the same song. And so then now our kids, this is all they've ever known. Mm -hmm. And so what I did as we were sitting out and and waiting for lessons, kind of rotating out, um, I said, guys, you know, because normally they do school while Mm -hmm. we're waiting. And and I said, guys, can you just for a second here, I, I really want to finish this conversation because I think it's important, you know, what we're talking about. And they were like, yeah. And and then, you know, our son, who is always up for a great debate, he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm engaged. Like, yeah, let's <laughs> let's talk about it. And so I talked to them about the Scopes monkey trial um, that took place in the 1920s, 1925, um, where you have a teacher in Tennessee who wanted to teach evolution. But then I, I, and I had to look this up. Now the Holy Spirit reminded me of this event in history, but I didn't have all of the facts right on the top of my, my brain. So, Mm -hmm. so I had to look this up. And what I did was I pulled two articles, one, a secular article and one, an article through a Christian worldview, through a biblical lens and read both of those or snippets of both of those articles to them to try to get them to understand that listen, over time, over time, and when we are exposed to content that rivals the authority of scripture, our defenses begin to come down. Yeah. And we begin to think, hey, maybe that's not so bad. Maybe right. that's okay. You know, maybe maybe it's okay to bring in these different ideas. Mm-hmm. One kid actually said, one kid actually said, now, you know, um, Darwin's theory is called a theory. And, and, and this kid said, do you think that Darwin, Darwin really believed that he was going to, you know, up in everything that people thought about God? Or do you think that he discovered some things and that he just was trying to bring these things into like the public square of conversation and, and these ideas? Mm-hmm. And, and I said, well, let me ask you this question. If I did believe that, mm-hmm. would it make his thoughts and his ideas less destructive? Right. And he goes, well, I just think, oh, I just revealed. <laughs> anyway, and this kid goes, um, well, I think that if he is innocently trying to discover or trying to understand, then maybe it's not as wicked as we think. And mm-hmm. I said, okay, so let's talk about the wickedness. Yeah, because when we talk about these things, we have to understand as Christians, we understand that there's a spiritual nature to all That's this. right. So even if a person has this idea and it's like, whoa, like I want to bring this out to yes. into the conversation, uh, the general conversation, where is it coming from? Yes. Because we know from scriptures that, the do- that demons have doctrines. Come on. We yes. know that there are ideas and... And and uh, things that should be cast down mm-hmm. because they rival, you know, the preeminence of Christ. So yes. it's, it's those those type of conversations. I understand, you know, what was being said, but it's like 
don't forget the spiritual nature. That's it. That's it. And that's exactly where we went. And mm-hmm. so I said, so here is the question. I said, did this thought or this idea that man evolved from apes or that the 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 earth and everything that we see just kind of, and I, I did some parallel illustrations here, just kind of sprang into existence. Mm-hmm. I said, do those thoughts rival the truth of God's word? And they said, yes. And I said, so is it a thought that comes from God? And they said, no. And I said, so then is it innocent? And they said, no. And I said, so anything that contradicts the word of God, any thought, any idea, any concept that suddenly appears in someone's mind Mm. that calls into question what God said. Mm -hmm. And I I asked this question. I said, who does that remind you of? Exactly. And so I said, this is a deception from the beginning. Because remember, even if the person who has the idea or introduces the idea into culture, even if that person doesn't understand where ultimately these ideas are going to Mm -hmm, go, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. The initial question is, well, did God really say that? The initial question is, does God have the authority to determine that? Mm. Can he say that? Can he determine that? And so one of the things that I really wanted to drive home in the conversation Mm -hmm. with them is that there are no innocent deceptions. Yeah. There are no neutral departures from scripture. And here's the thing that really grabbed me and why I wanted to kind of be a little bit vulnerable in having this conversation Mm -hmm. um, with our podcast audience. One of the things that really struck me was one of our kids said, now we allowed them to watch Wild Kratts. If you're not familiar with Wild Kratts, they're two brothers who explore animals and and it's half cartoon, half live, you know, action kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And we allowed them to watch Wild Kratts. And when we'd get to the parts where they would allude to, you know, and over millions of years, we would say, that's a lie. All right. Now I'm just going to be completely transparent. Mm -hmm. We'd say, no, that's a lie. You know, and then they would say, and so through their evolutionary design, we'd say, no, that's a lie. They are designed by God. These creatures were designed specifically by God. He made them. They did not evolve. But here is what here is what we need to realize, because in the course of this conversation, one of our kids said, well, I don't think that, say, for example, and he just threw this out as an example. He said, I don't think that the Krat brothers are evil. And he said, I don't think that when the Krat brothers talk about millions of years and they talk about evolutionary design, he said, I don't think that they are like, hey, let's send a bunch of kids to hell. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what? You may be absolutely right about that. Mm -hmm. And I said, but the rejection of God Mm -hmm. and the belief that contradicts scripture, does it have a different consequence? Does it does does the outcome become different because of the intent of the one who was the purveyor of the lie? Right. No, the the outcome is the same. And I said, so we cannot say, well, we know that you are well-meaning. And so this then becomes an innocent deception. The reality is this. There are no innocent deceptions. That's right. And I was just thinking about the scripture um, in Second Corinthians chapter 10. Verse three, for uh, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Mm -hmm. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Mm -hmm. And it says, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Amen. And we are ready to punish all disobedience whenever your obedience is complete. Yes. And so these things are raising themselves up 
trying trying to raise themselves up above the knowledge of God, you know, and they ought to be cast down. Amen. You know, and so when those thoughts come in, so if there's a thought that's contrary to the word of God, you know, for the believer, just like what you said when they uh, watch Wildcrats and it's like millions of years. That's a lie. That's a lie. They have to be trained like this is not the truth. We show them from the scripture that that's a lie. Yeah. And so the thing is, that has to be cast down yeah. immediately. And our kids, I know they have learned this because I hear Nathaniel, I hear Sam Witt, like, oh, that's not that's true. That's a lie. That's, that's not, true. not true. Yeah. And so we have to take that seriously because that's part of the small foxes. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast and you are enjoying what you hear, please remember to give it a rating or to leave a comment. Let people know that this podcast is a blessing to you. It helps to grow Culture Proof and we would be so grateful. Also, if you love Culture Proof and you want to support the ministry, why not pick up some merch and look good while you support the ministry of Culture Proof? Check out every podcast. You'll find a link in the description to where you can get your Culture Proof merch and support this ministry. We appreciate it. It absolutely is. And and can I say this? I had a moment when we were talking about this and I thought the conversation was so good. And one of the things that we really try to do is equip our kids to engage in debate and not to be emotional in their responses. So it was a great debate and they really held their line. Like they were, you know, well, what about this and what about that? And then I would go back with them and try to bring in the word of God as the final authority, right? Like sort of the tiebreaker, if you will. But I got to tell you, one of the things that, um, that really kind of grabbed my heart in that illustration, when the Krat brothers were brought up, you know, wild Krats, I thought, man, you know, maybe we should not have allowed them to watch the wild Krats. And, and why, why did I say that? Or why did I think that? Because that allowed for them to associate a certain level of innocence with the presentation of a lie. Mm. So it's like just a little mm. bit of poison mm-hmm. and something that tastes good. It mm. was entertaining. And at the time when we allowed them to watch Wild Kratz, it was because our oldest son was so into animals. Mm-hmm. All kids go through these phases, right? I, I think especially maybe boys at some point, but he was really into animals. I mean, just, you know, familiarizing himself with them and how they operated and just all of these things. And, and so Wildcrats was one of those, we thought innocent enough and and (laughs) the enough part is probably what gets you into trouble, right? We thought innocent enough that, and we can battle the conflicting viewpoint, just give us the facts. Mm -hmm. But here's the reality. Anything that begins with the rejection of God is not beginning with reality. It's not beginning with the facts, you know? And I was thinking about this in light of the recent information that we've been talking about. We talked recently about um, the nothing burger that we are, you know, feeding our kids and thinking about where they are in culture. And this conversation in real time with our kids caused me to think about some of the data that has come out of Arizona Christian University and and come from um, Dr. George Barna, you know, like where our kids are today. And think about this. Now, if, if I'm having a conversation where there is even the thought that there could be, you know, an innocent deception. Now, the reason I'm able to catch that as it's passing through the trains of thought It's because we're living life together. Mm -hmm. It's because we are having these conversations that interrupt our regularly scheduled program, Mm -hmm. right? But it provides an opportunity for me to play goalie and to say, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, There's no innocent deception. Anything that rivals the truth and the authority of the word of God is a deception with the same consequences, separation from God. Because you have to understand that the one, as you say, 
the one who introduces these destructive ideas is the one who is opposing God and wants to bring as many of those who would join in his opposition with him as possible. Right. So I was looking at some of these numbers, like what our teenagers believe. And again, this is George Barna's um, latest book, Raising Spiritual Champions, where he looks at the beliefs of 13 and 14 year olds, Mm, which interestingly enough, here I am, I'm talking to a 13 year old. You know what I mean? And, and really exploring why do you think that there could be a deception or, you know, an attack on truth that would be innocent. And then one that's more sinister. If it's an attack on truth, isn't it just blanket sinister? Isn't it just blanket evil? But think about this. Here is what Barna's research shows. He calls these teens the youngest of the teenagers, right? The 13 and 14 year olds. And, um, and I'm just going to rattle off some of these in light of what we're talking about How do we have these small foxes that are destroying the vines? How do we overlook them and probably only begin to pay attention when we get to the big disaster um, that is a conflict or a crisis in their belief? Um, According to Barna, 10% of these 13 and 14-year-olds reject the idea that moral truth is always relative to the individual and their circumstances because there are moral absolutes. 17% agree that people are born into sin and can only be saved from the consequences of sin by Jesus Christ. Only 17% of our kids believe that. 18% list the Bible as their primary source of moral guidance. 18%. So the question is, what is their source of moral guidance? Where where are they getting their, their compass for what is right and what is wrong? And here's the thing. We've got to ask ourselves, okay, wait a minute. Yes, we have stats, but we also have kids in our home. So let's ask them, We've got grandkids. Let's ask them, what's the source of your moral absolute? Like, what's the source of your moral compass? Like, how do Mm. you determine what is right and what is wrong? You see, in my conversation here this week with our kids, I had an opportunity to recalibrate their thinking back to the word of God because I realized, man, that there's some subtleties. There's some small foxes here Mm. that are trying to compromise how they view absolute truth absolute truth. There's no innocent deception, right? Okay. Getting back to some of these numbers, 27% of 13 and 14 year olds believe that God is the basis of all truth as as revealed in the Bible. Only 27%. So so that's about one in four we're talking about. Mm. 31% say the universe and everything in it has been designed and created and sustained by God. Now listen, 31% say the universe and everything in it has been designed, created, and sustained by God. So why is that number so low? Because over time, what do we have, right? We've got kids who all they have ever known is that big bang, Mm -hmm. random chance in time, stardust, uh, evolved from monkeys, right? (laughs) This is all they have known. And when we hear words, buzzwords, like, and because of their evolutionary design, this is what they have. And this is what they've become. Our kids begin to draw that from the environment around them. And that's the pervasive message. Yeah. And so the question is, again, how do we stand between ourselves, our our kids and the culture? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, based on the illustration that we're using today, man, how do we catch those small foxes that are running rampant in our vineyards? These are the things that are destroying the fruit. Even as our kids are growing and trying to determine, you know, 
how to make sense of the world, they've got conflicting viewpoints, conflicting worldviews mm. that they are able to draw from freely because it's in the environment in which they live. Mm. Let me let me finish with a few more of these stats here. 36% believe that God is the omnipotent, omniscient, perfect, and just creator of the universe who still rules it today. Uh, 43% don't know if there is a God and mm. don't believe in his existence or they don't care. 43% of 13 and 14 year olds, 56% say moral truth is up to the individual. 56% say moral truth is up to the individual. There are no moral absolutes that apply to everyone all the time. But now here's what's also interesting about that. While you have 56% who say that there are no moral absolutes, You've got that same percentage, 56% claim to be deeply committed to their spiritual life. 61% either believe Jesus sinned or may have sinned while he was on earth. And this one is really interesting. Maybe we could do a follow-up program talking about this. 70% say Satan does not exist or they don't know if he exists. One of the things that I repeatedly tell our children, and even in the conversation this week, Satan does not want to be detected. Right. He doesn't want to be discovered either in our thinking or in our practices. So when we have thoughts about what is good, what is right, and what is true, we must always go back to the straight edge of God's word. Look, if the enemy enters in our mind or introduces to our thinking something that contradicts the word of God, know that that is not coming from heaven. Mm. That is, that is not coming from the mind of God that, that, that he would be contradicted or that he would be challenged or that his authority would be called into question. It comes from Satan. And so my question to our kids, as we sat for about 40 minutes talking about this was, so can there be an innocent deception? And at the end of the conversation, we agreed that there's no innocent deception. Um, there was one holdout that you know, but I can see how people would not think that they are really being evil mm -hmm. when they communicate these lies. I'm sure yeah. you know. Who I'm yeah. about. Okay. And he's probably going to edit this video. And so you know <laughs> who I'm talking about as well. Um, but here's the bottom line. The bottom line is not that I would make a robot. It's not that I would make someone who has a programmed response that I choose, mm. but it's that I am faithful and actively engaging where there are weak spots, right? Where there are um, possible deceptions that I would be able to say, hey, does this rival God's truth? Yeah. Can Is this something that we can let slide and say that it's innocent? And I, and I do, and I, I want to be generous here mm. because I believe that what they were attempting to communicate is that, you know, I just don't think these people intend to be evil. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't think that Eve intended to be evil, <laughs> right? Now, the serpent intended to be evil, and he wanted the rejection of God's authority, and Eve was a willing participant. Yeah. I think that a lot of these other people would fall into the exact same category. Yeah. They were willing participants to the evil that Satan intended. Yeah, that's why we have to be discerning on a spiritual level to understand that, you know, it's, it's beyond just what's presented. There's a spiritual nature to what's going on. And so just as the scripture I read, you know, those things have to be cast down. Another great point is, man, that conversation was great because in order to um, know that the small foxes are destroying the vine, 
the, <laughs> the vine dressers have to be present. Yes. They have to be yes. able to see mm. what's happening. And so as parents, you know, the call is out that we would have these type of discussions with our children um, and to and to have these type of discussions, we have to be present. Mm-hmm. We have to uh, be able to talk with them. They have to be able to relay their thoughts to us. And we have to be, um, you know, bold enough to say, man, this is what the word of God yeah. says. Yeah. And this is what's wrong. And this is what's right in what you're saying. But let's have this conversation and let's have this conversation around the word of God. Amen. So what that means is a separation from our devices you know, mm-hmm. from doing other things that we think are important to having these conversations, you know, that can mean so much for the formation of disciples right in our home. Yeah. And so the great point in this, I feel, is that you were able to have this conversation because you were present and you were willing to, to put to the side something that was important. You know, they normally do their school while they wait and stuff like that. But this had to be addressed. Absolutely. We have to do those type of things. We have to have the priorities in mind. You know, what's of most importance? Yes, the education is very important. All those things are important. But man, the discipleship opportunities that we have with our children should be top tier. Yeah. And can I say this too? I think that there are so many parents who may be afraid to learn what their kids actually believe like, Mm. can I, can I tell you? So you have a moment where you feel like you're doing all of the things and and you feel like, man, you are trying to, to keep the truth in front of your kids. So when I have a conversation like this, let's be honest, right? I would like for them to know the right answers. Yeah. I would like for them to know, okay, yeah, this is how I defend that. But the way we get there is by having these kinds of conversations where they are freely able to express. They're freely able to explore their thoughts, explore the conflict that they sense around the information that they're receiving. But then that's where we as parents have to show up. I'm not interested in them presenting perfection. Let me say that again especially in the context of Christian parenting. Mm. I am not interested in them presenting perfection so that other people stand in awe of them. And by extension, me. Mm. Okay. That is very selfish, right? What I am interested in is them having a genuine relationship with the Lord where they are able to engage with the scriptures, engage with the word of God and understand how this informs the way they live in this world. Because look, I want them reading the Bible. After they're done reading scripture, they've got to get up and go live it out in the world, right? right? And so this just provides an opportunity for me to solidify and to reinforce the importance of what they believe and even to sharpen their discernment, to make sure that they really understand, okay, am am I discerning this right? Like, I mean, think about it. The idea that there could be an innocent deception. Man, look, I'm grateful to be able to have that kind of conversation. And I would encourage parents all across the country, have those kinds of conversations with your kids. Understand what's in their heart. What are they thinking about? How are they processing the world that they live in? And don't be afraid that they're not going to give the answer you want them to give. Mm. When they give their answer, you show up with the answer that should have been given. (laughs) And hopefully, hopefully you will agree that it's the word of God. Amen. That's the word of God. All right. When we resist those cultural trends that rival the truth, we remain culture proof until next time. Lord willing.
tell me. 